Welcome, bride chillas and groom chillas. Groom chillas, Alicia. Let's uh, let's workshop that. You're listening to the Save the Date Wedding Podcast, the number one wedding podcast hosted by author, comedian, and wedding advice giverer Alicia McCormick. I cannot tell you how excited I am to be speaking to today's guest. And you might be saying, Alicia, you say that every week. And I'm like, yeah, because I get the best people on. All right. <laughs> if you are new to the Save the Date Wedding podcast, then you will realize very quickly how much I like to feature people that A, love what they do, that are passionate about what they do, but also that are, well, I'm going to say change makers, that are people who uh, start movements. I think what I'm doing hopefully is a bit of a movement with the bride chiller thing, trying to say relax, chill out, don't get in touch with the bullshit. And today's guest, oh, she is the queen of this. I am talking about the wonderful Danielle Calhoun, who is the founder, I don't know, what are we going to say, the legend behind <laughs> blacksheepbride.com. Is that too much? No. <laughs> I love it. Welcome, Danielle. Thank you so much for giving me the time because you're busy changing the world. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. It's so exciting to be a part of your awesome podcast. I love what you guys do so much. Oh, it's my pleasure. And I think we share, as I said, we are change makers. We are people that see uh, the difference that we can make within this wedding industry, and especially for brides and grooms that are coming into this the first time or the second or third, no judgment. Right. But you're in a situation where you've launched this wonderful blog and you're not just selling stuff, you're selling an idea. What is it? Yeah. Um, the concept behind Black Sheep Bride is that we connect couples with uh, vendors and products, inspiration and resources that value giving back so that their wedding mm -hmm. can be uh, more charitable and conscious and that we can use um, this huge sum of money we get in our lives once or twice in some cases uh, or more for oh, helping other people. It's such a great concept and it's so simple that I while I was internet stalking you, I thought, why the hell has someone not done this before? But then also it takes someone pretty special to do that. And I think, you know, when you have that amazing idea and you crack on with it, um, well, you are the right person to do it clearly. So can you give me a little bit of background? Now, I know you're a photographer. How, how did this all come about? And well, look, so many questions. Let's start with that one. Pro interviewer. She's going to ask you 50 questions at once. <laughs> yes. Um, it came about because I am a wedding photographer. Like you mentioned, I started out, I started out early in my, um, young adulthood in fine art photography in college and would do a lot of humanitarian work, um, outside of the United States as well as domestically. And, um, I found a huge passion for helping other people at a really young age. And it kind of set the path for, um, my adulthood, and so I started a wedding photography business a few years later and then got back into humanitarian photography on a more um, consistent basis. And I was kind of being really conflicted with the industry that was supporting my family and mm -hmm. the third world that I lived in regularly that had such huge need. Um, it was very polarizing and um, I saw a great opportunity for these brides to, or couples to be able to use their their funds and their 
decision-making to um, invest in people that invest in others. Mm. Uh, it really made me, uh, look, I, I talk a lot in my book and I've said it, you know, countless times on the podcast. There's a really funny gear change that we make, many of us make when you're looking at a wedding and the cost of a wedding, like you've just said, is crazy for a lot of people. Right. And, you know, I, I'm talking whether you're spending a thousand bucks or a hundred thousand dollars, it, it's obviously depending on how much money you have as to how much money you're willing to spend and what you find valuable, uh, in your life. But for me, I always get stuck when people say, I spent $5,000 on my wedding dress. Cool. If you've got five grand, but also in not, I mean, that's crazy, but again, you can do whatever you like, but in real life, I'm using air quotes that no one can see. Most <laughs> of us would balk at the idea of spending five G's on a dress. We're not the Kardashians, but it seems a normal sort of thing to do when you're planning a wedding. I, I sort of struggle with this regularly of going, why have we allowed this sort of to happen? And why is this a normal thing? So it, right. when you sort of talk about the extremes of going into third world countries and photographing people in genuine need and then people on their wedding day, which, you know, is the ultimate extreme. I can absolutely see how this became a, a passion project for you. Yeah, definitely something that um, if it wasn't a passion project, I don't know if I'd be fighting the good fight to make this happen. Yeah. <laughs> it definitely <laughs> drives me on a level that I've never been driven before because I really believe that there is a great opportunity for the wedding industry. And something that I tell people when I meet them too, um, I think a lot of times when I tell people, oh, I uh, focus on couples that give back, they often think that that means that couples can't spend money on their weddings. And that's not yeah. what I'm trying to convey at all. Um, like you said, it doesn't matter the amount of money spent. It's all in how it's spent. Um, so if they're spending five grand on a wedding dress, that's awesome. Is it fair trade? Is the bridal shop they bought it from, are they donating dresses to, you know, wish upon a wedding or things like that, that um, can make that value not only be one worthy of the design itself, but the intrinsic value, you know, how are my dollars being used um, outside of my purchase? And I think we must just say, we're not saying everyone has to get married at picnic tables in a fucking national park wearing a, a hemp dress while uh, Even though having I do hair. talk about all of those things. <laughs> <laughs> More power to you if you want to do that. And I love an intimate wedding. You know, I'm a big fan of saying, hack the fuck out of the guest list. If you don't want to have 200 people at your wedding, have 12. But the idea is and I love when you look at Black Sheep Bride that you can see so many of your real brides and grooms and grooms and grooms and brides and brides yeah. have had amazing weddings that you would never know, which, again, pros and cons, but you would never know that they've given back so much because right. they look aesthetically like so many other weddings you see. But then you read all the details and go, Jesus, we should all be doing this. It looks quite easy and, normal. again, it, normal. Again, we use the air quotes. But it's yeah. like, why would you not do this? This is crazy. All right. One of my best, best, I can't say that, one of my best rating, best, most successful episodes was about ethical and environmentally friendly weddings. So I feel like this is a natural extension for the conversation. Yeah, I love what that a, episode. Yeah, well, thank you. And That's I, what I was really, found you. Find you. Oh, actually. well. I, well, that makes me happy. And I feel like that's something that I am really passionate about as well. So it's just nice that we can, um, 
get into it, giving people some kicking off advice. If they've never thought about doing this before, maybe we could just start by trying to just come up with a couple of really quick, easy ideas. It doesn't have to be quick, no pressure, but uh, <laughs> that they could start by implementing in their wedding planning today. Sure. What's How would you kick it off? The easiest thing that I tell people that they could do, and I know you kind of talked on this in the original episode, but a lot of times brides get uh, intimidated if they haven't already thought about using their wedding to help other people. So the biggest thing that I can say is just waste less. Mm. Um, Weddings are very wasteful between leftover flowers, leftover food, leftover decorations. Um, A lot of times brides become a bit over or couples become overwhelmed in the thought that, what am I going to do with all this leftover stuff? And half the time it ends up in the trash. So there are plenty of opportunities for brides to use what they already plan to have to help others. So their flowers are a big one. Even if they're not um, salvageable, in some cases, they can be composted. Or um, they, if they are salvageable, they could be donated to the hospital down the street that might need just a little pick me up or organizations. Um, there's a few out there, repeat flowers. Um, let's see, random acts of flowers, floanthropy, you know, there's a, there's a myriad of opportunities. Um, and I love that. Think about how much like a Nana or someone that's sick that doesn't have family and friends to bring them flowers. I think that is the easiest way that you can make a difference in someone's life that wouldn't even know, that you existed to be able to donate flowers and have that little bit of floral joy is just delightful and so simple. Yes. My, um, not related to a wedding, but an event happened recently and the, um, venue owner called me and she said, Hey, I have like buckets of flowers from this event that we had. Do you think that you would have a way to get them somewhere. And I said, Oh, I'll figure it out. So (laughs) I went and grabbed the bucket of flowers. I think I had like my whole entire baby hatchback was full of roses. And um, I said, well, what are we going to do with these? And I had my four-year-old with me and the local nonprofits that take the flowers, they were closed that day. So I went to a nursing home that was close to my house. And those (laughs) ladies literally grabbed my son for one. And then they took me by the arm and they're like, let us show you where the rec room is. Because they wanted first dibs on the roses. Oh, my God. I like, get the good flowers. (laughs) But they just fell so in love with the concept that someone was just bringing them flowers just to have. And it was such a a sweet, you know, realization for me that it doesn't have to be anything formalized. Um, You know, there's just opportunity everywhere you look if you just have the eyes for it. The other so that's thing a great, is, that's a great point, Danielle. Sorry to interrupt no, you, but cool. that, that might be something that you could, if there aren't, if there isn't an organization that you mentioned close by, or if you're in another country where they're not doing it, just pick an old people's home or pick a hospital that you can turn up to with the flowers. I'm sure that they would be able to take them off your hands. Absolutely. And the other option is your food. You know, there's mm. a lot of food that gets wasted after weddings. Um, and there are, especially in the UK, I found a lot of zero, um, waste food banks that will collect waste food or leftover food and reuse it salvage it, compost it the same way. Um, and that can make a big difference in someone's day to day, you know, struggle, um, to think that, you know, you have an extra few filet mignon sitting around or, you know, Parmesan chicken, whatever it is, um, Mm -hmm 
they get thrown in the trash. That's a good meal, you know? Make a big It's amazing. Yeah. And also, yeah, if Cousin Harry doesn't turn up and the food goes to waste, then at least you go, fuck you, Cousin Harry, for not turning up. But also, I'm giving your food to someone who actually needs it. Right, exactly. Yes. (laughs) I was trying to think of a tasteful way to create some sort of, like, place card that says, I can't come but donate my seat to XYZ. Because that's a great idea. Each person's place in a wedding, you know, is a hundred bucks a pop per person that comes. So what if that person says, instead of me like wasting a plane ticket to come to this person's wedding that I don't really know very well, let's donate that money to somewhere else and just make that a premature, like first thing you see on the invitation. This is how we're setting up our wedding. Do you want to come? Do you not want to come? If you don't want to come, that's cool. We'll donate your seat to someone else. Oh my God, Danielle, that feels like such a natural thing to do that if, and also I think gifting, I know we're going to get to gifts and stuff, but the idea that you are saying to someone, Hey, don't bother, you know, if you're going to catch a plane and it's going to cost you a thousand bucks, which often we do ask people to make these sort of enormous uh, investments in our weddings. And sometimes you can lose track of how much it might cost your guests, but that's such a lovely gesture to say, if you can't make it, we're totally cool, but throw a hundred bucks to this charity or this would, they would greatly appreciate it. That's a pretty nice way. And you're not out of pocket and your goodwill bank. Wow. You get yeah. Or the other thing, you know, a lot of times people, like I said, they kind of grow a little fearful of having to donate money. Like, oh, well, that could be a cost-saving opportunity. Maybe they don't say, we'll donate $100 to this cause. Maybe they'll say, we donate two hours of our community service as a new couple in your honor, in your absence that you're not at our wedding. What else? uh, So that's sort of the idea of waste. And I think this is such a great concept to think about how often we chuck stuff out. I think we do it in our everyday lives. I look at my recycling bin and also go, is that stuff going to get recycled? Right. I hope so. But, <laughs> yes. but also it, it is, we, we do have to think about our footprint without getting obsessed with it, but it's, you know, we do waste a lot. So that's a great point. Love it. Thanks. Easy to do. So yeah. easy to do. What what else can we do? Sure. Um, the other thing, which is probably the most common you see is, like you mentioned, gifting uh, registries um, that are charitable in nature. Most couples nowadays are already in a position where they're domestically living together. Um, so they don't really have a need for a waffle iron or a coffee pot. Um, and especially in the millennial generation, they don't like a lot of crap. So. No. If they created a gift registry, for instance, that was devoted to charity, um, Mm -hmm. like, for instance, one of our vendors, her name is um, Kate, and she owns Heartfully, and she does this gift registry where people can go make a profile, and all of their guests give back to whatever project um, is listed on the board that aligns with their passion. Um, There's also another registry that's kind of cool called So Kind Registry, and instead of it being necessarily um, donation monetary based. It could be anything really. So maybe it's a, I need a registry for someone to come donate a few hours to helping me clean my house, things like that. (laughs) Um, Just less um, monetary based and a little bit more uh, creative, I guess you could say in ways that you could give. I'm always encouraging people to 
look at their family and friends as people with skills and the idea that you can, and I know you talk a lot about this as well, that you can find people to help you with your planning that you don't necessarily have to pay outside of the the group or you pay with love and kindness and cakes and wine or with cash. But the idea that you can find friends to help you do certain tasks and not have to necessarily uh, hire people again, is is a really easy way to do things. And a lot of people don't go, oh, my friend Lorraine does do hair. Maybe Lorraine would like to do the hair on the day or someone has a great garden that we can get flowers from. Is this realistic or am I bullshitting that saying that people should be doing this? I think it goes both ways. I think that there's a bride for both type of components. Um, I found that some of our more hippy-dippy organic wedding features that we share are a little bit more hands-on DIY because they want to be able to maximize their funding. Whereas other brides that are more intentional, a little bit more traditional in their ways, um, they are investing in those planners that are investing in others. So we have some awesome designers and planners on our directory that um, their whole focus is about using their wedding business to also do charity events. So for every wedding, they do a charity event in lieu of that wedding. Um, so there's balance in both I've found. Mm. And it is great that you have so many, all your vendors are people that are giving back and that's pretty great to be able to just go to one spot, one spot on the interwebs and find all the good people. (laughs) I like it. That's my (laughs) my new tagline. Well, we'll we'll put it on a T-shirt. I'm good at doing that. Uh, (laughs) This is the Save the Date Wedding Podcast. You are listening to it. Of course you are. I'm Alicia, the host. Welcome. If you haven't heard us before, us is in me. I'm just a single person, but I like to pretend I have a posse. Uh, We are talking. Wait, see, I did it again. Uh, (laughs) I'm talking to Danielle Calhoun. She is the founder of BlackSheepBride.com, and there is more with her after this. Danielle, I have to just, you were talking about clutter and the millennials probably not wanting to collect shit because we don't have much room because we all live in tiny apartments because everything is expensive. Right. Um, when I was in Australia recently, I was visiting my sister-in-law who has just moved from London back to Australia and they've moved into like a house, which was a huge deal because in London, everyone lives in shoeboxes unless you're really wealthy. And, uh, we are not. But she had said she'd come to me with this tiny little book called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up uh, by Marie Kondo. And it's this very cute little book and it's all about decluttering your life. Interesting. <laughs> and I started reading this book and it freaked me out a little bit. Now, we don't have, Rich and I, as I said, we live in a small apartment. We don't have a lot of stuff and we moved to London with two suitcases. So I had a bit of a meltdown before we left Melbourne because we got rid of everything in our apartment except for these two suitcases, which was completely freeing, can I just say. It was freaky and then freeing. But reading this book, it made me realize about how much stuff we collect and place, uh, well, meaning from for on and really don't need to have it. Now, this is a really obvious statement, but I do think it leads back to our conversation about what we need to keep, what we need to buy, what we feel is uh, a value when it comes to planning a wedding. Maybe we all just need to declutter a little bit and also rent stuff. You're yes. a big advocate of just borrowing shit. Yes, definitely. Um, coming from a family um, 
That's so funny you say that because even though I don't live in London, sadly enough, um, I was raised fairly low income. Um, and my home that I was raised in was full of crap. Like my parents are borderline hoarders. I love them to death. They're amazing people. And if they listen to this, they'll probably punch me in the face for saying this. (laughs) But um, they kind of created this anti-hoarder in me. Um, Mm. My husband and I have two children and we live in an 800 square foot home that we've lived in for the 10 years we've been married. And I am so anti-sentimental. Um, so I'm probably not a good reference to like say, oh, you need those napkins with your names on them. I do not believe that. I think yeah. that's a waste of money. <laughs> I will blatantly say that up front. Um, and I'm going to back you up. I agree. <laughs> Thanks. Um, and I think that renting and borrowing is a huge huge opportunity that I think a lot of times people miss. And I think a lot of times the DIY brides miss the boat on that too, because they're too busy trying to DIY stuff that they forget that they could just rent that junk and be done with Mm. it. And Um, save some time and save some bloody breakdowns. Yeah, for sure. And um, thrifting is a huge component of that, that I think would be beneficial as long as the thrifting isn't becoming Let's now put these vases in our back closet that we never use again. Yes, if you're that using, Japanese lady would be going, you're insane. Get rid of it. Exactly. Um, so utilizing the things that maybe you are purchasing to give back to a halfway house or a domestic violence shelter that needs like decorations for new moms to de- to decorate decorate their new apartments, um, start a new life, you know, things along those lines, it's fine. Um, but I am a huge advocate for renting because I think that you're not creating new things or you're not helping that and you are, um, giving them back and you're not, you know, filling the world with more junk, even though you're one person, it matters. Exactly. And I think junk that you realistically, I always talk about this as a silly thing that I repeat over and over again, but it's that we um, purchased some tablecloths for our wedding and it was from a catering company and they were the sort of tablecloths that are magic that you could spill wine on and then just use water and it just came off. It must be made out of like what the black boxes are made out of in planes. It was crazy. <laughs> but, Pandora's box or something. Yeah. Very magical. It's so magical and it's like, oh my God, why don't we just coat our whole house in this shit because I spill everywhere. But I came home two days after the wedding, like a little machine and put it all in the washing machine and ironed them and then put them on eBay and made a profit on them. But someone else got them. And it's such a simple thing and people are like, oh, I can't be bothered. Why would you bother doing that? I'm like, well, for a starters, I would never use 10 big white industrial caterers, uh, tablecloths ever again and also what the hell would I you know what would I store them in my cupboard for that's ridiculous someone else can have it we come out neutral in our costs and we could we feel good about ourselves absolutely and there's a few resources too um that 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 do that specifically for weddings one specifically that I'm good friends with is called wedding recycle um it's a website devoted to recycling wedding crap (laughs) Awesome. And brides get what's to the, what's, what's the web address for that one, Danielle? It is wedding-recycle.com, I believe. Awesome. I will follow them on the various social medias and share today so we uh, can get that out. That sounds amazing. 
In one of our publication partnerships that we connect with every year, um, we just started this year, I'm sorry, is called uh, the Recycled Wedding Boutique. And they have an event that they do in Ohio and um, a few other places I think they're trying to expand this year um, devoted to letting brides come and sell their things right. or couples. Um, so there's there's plenty of plenty of opportunity there. And I think it's just a matter of actually shifting your mind into that sort of zone of going, I will buy secondhand or I will be selling this later on. I think people get so attached, brides get so attached to those damn dresses. And yeah, they're a really big thing. But also, well, how often are you ever going to wear it? Your daughter, 99.9% will not wear that dress. I'm just going to be harsh and say that. Uh, And then also it's sitting in a cupboard when you could easily sell it soon after the wedding, especially if you have a name brand dress. I feel really sure that people can shift things quickly. But if you're selling it five years down the track, probably less likely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And there's plenty of organizations that will gladly take it off of your hands either way. Um, Yeah. Some are for like special needs proms for, you know, bridesmaids dresses. Some are for military brides, things like that. There's lots of options to be able to utilize the the dress for helping other people. There's also um, something I just learned about recently, um, a, like newborn death shrouds. That sounds bad. Burial shrouds yeah. um, out of wedding dresses. So there's there's potential there. I think that's pretty nice to know that something that you have uh, worn, whether it is going to a charity, as you said, someone that's in an underprivileged sort of situation where they wouldn't be able to afford to wear something as beautiful. And also bridesmaid stresses are something, you know, a lot of bridesmaids are never going to wear this stuff again. I'm such a big fan of Rent the Runway for bridesmaids dresses and wedding dresses as well because, I mean, I am sitting – I looked up earlier on, they're crazy – crazy great brands on Rent the Runway now where I think a lot of people would struggle to afford some of the brands that you can borrow for like 200 bucks. It's crazy. (laughs) For sure. And there are so many wonderful rental companies that are expanding out of the Rent the Runway movement. I think um, some are very wedding specific, like Vow to be Chic. Oh, new one for me. Specifically devoted to bridesmaids. And there's a few others. Um, I don't have the names off the top of my head. Um, just Google people use the Google. There you go. Use the Google. Um, (laughs) I like it. So there, there is, um, options there or just being different and getting a dress that you know that you will wear again. You know, Mata Traders is a fair trade dress company that has some killer dresses that, um, some people are using as bridesmaids dresses and they're mixing things up like floral patterns that are all different or, you know, make your own rules. Make it count. Amen. And and also, you don't have to wear, again, a white cut-off strapless dress. You just don't need to do that. If that's not your style, ditch it. Go and find something that works for you. I mean, it's so your day. And the idea that everyone is wearing the same thing over and over again, we've all been conditioned and I think sort of – hoodwinked into making this choice to look a certain way when those dresses really don't suit a lot of us. And I come from, I don't have massive boobs. They're not huge. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm touching them right now. I share in this dilemma. I I mean, look, realistically, 
the, I can't look, but... Like, no, no, look. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine them. They're just a handful. But they're not the sort of thing that you go... When I tried on all those strapless dresses on, I was horrified at the fact that... Not horrified, but I just... They weren't going to stand up for me. Even when I would be sewn into it, I was not comfortable. It was not my style. And I just wanted to feel really good and feel comfortable and feel sexy and chic. And I just thought, that dress is not for me. Not right. for me. That's awesome. I love it. <laughs> you got to own your buzzies. Whatever right. size they are, enjoy it, but know what works for you and know what's comfortable. And I just just knew that that sort of dress wasn't a style that worked for me, but I loved a sleeve. I wanted a sleeve. Yes. Sleeves are classy. Sleeves are so classy and so are pockets. If you can get a dress yes. with a pocket, gee whiz, You're in. good luck. Amazing. Ten points. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, I think to add to the list of things on a more um, intentional perspective, mm. there's two components that we talk about first thing within our description of what Black Sheep Bright is, and that is vendor choices and products. So separate from like the normal stuff, you know, donating leftovers, whatever you already have, if we were giving more effort to selecting vendors that were charitable, um, selecting products that were fair trade, that were used for socially conscious initiatives. Um, that in and of itself would be a huge impact to a people group, a culture, you know, a collective, a collaborate, um, a co-op, you know, things along those lines that would really make a big difference. And I think a lot of times people, like I mentioned before, they kind of get overwhelmed with oh, I need a photographer. And then they go online and they find 2 trillion photographers and they don't even know where to begin. Um, but are they asking these photographers those questions? Like, do you use your business to help other people? Do you donate your time to a local charity? We like to know about your passion and how you use your business to impact others. Um, or can I find high heels that maybe don't, get manufactured in sweatshops or, you know, things like that, that really could help make a bigger difference. And not only, you know, humanity and people, but in our environment, you know, those things add up as the news just recently talked about the plastic and the ocean and the chemicals and things, you know, it's crazy what fast fashion has done to our world. And a lot of it has been because of overconsumption and just yeah. not asking questions. Yes. And that's the downfall of our, our human race. I really think, and that's not even exaggerating, is that we've become sort of unquestioning. And I was talking to my dad when I was back in Australia about political movements and about the 60s and why it was so vibrant and why everyone was getting involved when people had a voice and they really thought they could make a difference. And I feel like we've sort of dropped off and yeah, we're all on our Twitters and we're retweeting shit and we're Facebooking yeah. and driving our friends insane and like just right. fucking shut up with your reposting stuff. But it's sort of different. Like it's not the same. The impact that I think we can have physically doing things is actually a lot more powerful than just sharing stuff. Yeah. And Mind sharing. Exactly. I mean, no one gives a shit about a retweet really when it comes to the idea that you can make one small change in something that you might not have thought to do before and it could actually make a really big impact. And I think that's so powerful and we underestimate how much that means to other people, but also 
makes you feel pretty good yourself. I don't want to forget. I want to remind people feels good when you do this stuff. (laughs) Agreed. And it's um, so much easier than I think people think it is. Yeah. We are in the day and age right now where societally speaking, the generation that we're living in the biggest consumer group that's making the most impact, like there's social enterprises popping up left and right everywhere. It is, it is a known fact that if you run a business, there's, there should be some sort of corporate responsibility, sustainability aspects to what you're doing. It just goes without saying, even though small business owners, yes, I understand it. I am a small business owner, but everyone has the potential to give back in some capacity. And I always tell people that it doesn't have to be money. People always assume giving back connects with money. It can be your time because everyone in the wedding industry and in some capacity has a skill set. How are they using that skill set to potentially empower someone else? Mm. These are great questions to ask. And it's not uh, something that needs to be confronting. It doesn't have to be aggressive or negative. I think it's such a positive, wonderful thing. And yeah. I, I think you're fucking fabulous. There you go, Danny. I think you're amazing. Oh my God. Share the love. Seriously. Even, now, even with your tiny tatas. <laughs> <laughs> My tiny tatas. I'm touching them again. Stop it. Um, <laughs> what you do when you're on, you see, podcasting, you can do whatever you want. No one can see you. That's but right. I always say it out loud and give away my secrets. <laughs> now, will you join me, please, on Thursday's episode of the Q&A uh, Thursday? Sure. I'd love to have you back because I think we need to hear more from you. I would love that. I think it would be great. Now, if people want to get in touch, of course they will. And if vendors, especially, I know I have lots of vendors listening to the show, if they feel the need, which they should, to get uh, to be a part of your huge endeavors, what do we need to do? How do we get in touch with you? Uh, the first thing that you can do is go to our website. It's www.blacksheepbride.com. Um, you can kind of peruse our content that we have there as well as contact me if you would like by email. I am always available. I might not see your email because things like I was talking to Alicia here, they kind of fall through the cracks sometimes. <laughs> With our huge team of helpers, our behind yes. the scenes team. Sometimes it slips through the behind the scenes team is just us. <laughs> Um, but I'm pretty, pretty diligent about my email. So hello at blacksheepbride.com is a good way to connect with me as well as Instagram is our most engaged social media platform. Um, you can find us at the black sheep bride. Yeah, do. And it's great. There's so much inspiration, uh, to be had on your website. I just think it's fantastic to see what other couples have done. And really, again, it's really easy. Make little changes to make big changes. Yes. Thank you so much. Oh, no. Thank you so much. And if you are uh, planning a wedding that is going to be making a change in any way, I really want to hear about it. Could you please email me, message me, leave me a voicemail. Savethedatepodcast.com is where you get in touch because I would like to highlight your awesomeness. And I know, Danielle, would like to hear from you and uh, maybe feature your wedding on the site. Absolutely. I would love that. Woohoo! Big pat on the back. Go team make a difference. Save the date wedding podcast. Don't plan your wedding without it.